It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Flow Track Podcast on a Friday morning. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. For listening live on YouTube, special shout out. Subscribe to the Flow Track Podcast YouTube channel. I'm Kevin. He's Gordon. For the last time, Gordon gets to say, this is pretty much it for Outdoor Track. No, I'll get to say this again on Monday because we're going to have a track meet on Saturday. And then when we recap the Saturday meet on Monday, then I can say this is pretty much it for track. Right? Mm-hmm. That's when it's over. So, yeah. And that's when I will update our – I'm not sure if you've gone on our website in the past few weeks or so, but I've already have in the rankings hub a list of athletes with the 2022 outdoor standard. Like and it. also athletes with the 2022 World Indoor Standard. So people are already chasing those standards, both you know the sprints, the distance, the field. Um, last update I did was August 11th, right after the Olympics. So mm-hmm. after Saturday, we'll finally know everyone who has or doesn't have the standard going into next year when we start seeing people chase again to run fast times. Stay tuned next week. Gordon's going to predict every single world (laughs) indoor championship medalist on the pod. Stay tuned. Okay, guys. (laughs) On today's show, we will talk about some NCAA cross at the end. Gordon is is getting excited. We'll preview the Nairobi Continental Tour meet, what many are calling the last big track meet of 2021, although I'm sure the Estonian championships are mid-October or something like that. But... We'll talk about that. We got a good email about how to uh, how to tweak the field event format right now that's being much criticized. But we'll start first here, Gordon, with the news yesterday. The Court of Arbitration of Sport ruled on the Alberto Salazar case, upholding the former Nike Oregon Project coach's four-year ban. Already served two of them. Remember, he was banned during the 2019 World Championships in Doha. Um, they found that he had committed and confirmed the following uh, rule violations, possession of testosterone, complicity with uh, Dr. Brown's administration of prohibited method, as well as tampering with the doping control process having to do with L-carnitine. Dr. Brown also was suspended as well for a series of charges. Um, In the response, um, Alberto Salazar basically said, well, None of this had anything to do, as as the as the CAS statement said, that with any evidence that NOP athletes doped, and saying that no competition was impacted by these technical violations, he calls them technical violations, and that he generally took great care to ensure that any new technique, methods, and substances were lawful under the WADA code. Now, USADA wanted a larger ban. Salazar obviously wanted no ban. So the Court of Arbitration of Sport upheld the four-year ban. So, Gordon, what we had here basically is both sides, basically, between USADA and and Salazar slash Nike, who was defending him here, claiming at least partial victory. Yeah, I mean, there's that highlighted line right there where it says, no evidence put before the casts as to any effect on athletes competing in the elite level within NOP. So 
they basically are saying what Salazar's victory um, claim is that they have not proven that any of my elite athletes were doping in competition, out of competition, or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. He's like, you are basically banning me for ethical violations, for doing shady things, going to the gray area, doing these weird tests with my son and with with Magnus, Mm -hmm. um, holding on, like possessing, you know, the the drug, the testosterone. Um, But he's saying, well, you got me on all that, but you don't got me on actually putting it into the athletes' bodies and them winning a race because it was in their body. It's all technicality. You know it's all technicality because this suspension, first of all, this investigation started all the way back in 2015. So it took four Mm -hmm. years for the suspension to be given in 2019. And then another two years for them to decide if that suspension was legitimate. So you could say it was like a seven-year process, maybe even longer, because people are probably looking to try to get them even before 2015. This whole thing is just like a decade-long you did this. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. No, I didn't. Prove it. Well, I have this. That's not enough. Well, that's a lot. And all this craziness. And it finally, I feel like it's coming to an end. We're like, all right, the highest court in the world decided it's a four-year suspension. That's what it is. Okay. No more. Mm-hmm. Did I didn't not. Now, again, Alberto's going to claim, hey, you, you still don't have me on the actual big nugget of a positive, you know, doping right. sample of an athlete. Um, but I think court of public opinion is going to probably be a little bit different with like, hey, yeah, we don't have you on that, but we have you on this, that, and the other thing. So it's going to really come down to court of public opinion versus people who will defend Alberto till they die. And everyone wins. The people who don't like Alberto win, and Alberto can feel like he won because he's not banned for life within this ruling because we'll talk about he does still have that safe sport suspension, potential lifetime ban hovering over him with the whole Mary Kane um, situation and other athletes who came forward with non-doping violations but more ethical coaching style violations. Yeah, and I think it's interesting to hear you talk through it in that manner and basically say claiming partial victory and yet being banned for four years but that is the tone of this response and nike said in their response it was no finding that performance enhancing drugs have ever been used on oregon project athletes and the panel went out of its way to note alberto's desire to follow all the rules we're glad to see that Kaz reiterated this in their decision and stated that the way the case was handled was disproportionate to the severity of the violations established Alberto is no longer a contracted coach, and we shut out the Oregon project almost two years ago. So that that last paragraph tells you a bit, though, too, as well, too. Like, hey, he's fine. He went out of his way to follow the rules, but also, you know, he's not one of our not one of our coaches, and we canned the the team. You know, Usada is basically saying we tried as best we could to prove this case, and a lot of the stuff that came out in that initial 2015 report. I don't know how closely you follow that or how much you remember it, right, Gordon? There was all these uh, reports about, you know, and some of the details were just so, so compelling about, you know, drugs being carved into books and there was the spreadsheet and, and all the different whistleblowers coming together. I think in people's mind, they thought the the suspension would ultimately come as a result of those very, very serious allegations and the ban would come sooner than 2019, but also would potentially be lifetime. Instead, what you have here is, we're talking about possession of testosterone, the issues with L-carnitine, which Kaz is saying, you know, didn't, didn't impact competition, didn't impact, um, as, you know, didn't dope any specific elite athletes. But that, I mean, in that, in, in that sense, so it's irrelevant because what he did still broke the rules and still is enough to garner a four-year ban here. Right. So claiming victory while you still have a a four year ban. So it may not have been the big downfall that a lot of people were hoping and a lot of people came forward 
we're hoping. But the end result still here is he's he's out of the sport for four years and potentially forever, depending on the safe sport thing. Ever since the 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 allegations uh, by Mary Kane and then which were corroborated by another set of athletes came forward, I always thought that would be more damaging to his ability to coach again than the, the investigation with USADA, right? Just because of the nature of what was said by by his athletes and just the emotional power that those that those statements had. Um, and we're in a situation now where that ban might be longer lasting than the ban that was brought forward by by USADA. What do you think? Yeah, about- and there's there's been many athletes who have served bans and have gone on to be relevant in the sport post two year bans, post four year bans, even post longer bans. You know, we have coaches who've come back from bans, we have athletes mm-hmm. and you know, the in the know track and field world would always use that as like a scar on your on who you are as like a, a mark, like, hey, well, you know what you we know what you did in two thousand four. We're not gonna forget about yeah, it. Yeah. Um yeah. but like at the same time, people I guess time not heals, but time just kinda all right, whatever. Yeah, we don't wanna be talking about what happened a different decade ago. We only care about who's winning and losing right now and Constantly yeah. bring that up can be tiresome. I think in general, I mean, I feel like a lot of people have already kind of moved on from Salazar. You know, a lot we talked about the NOP kind of disbanded and a lot of them kind of yeah. leaving permanently or going towards uh, Pete Julian. You have other athletes going with different coaches. And you just don't, you kind of just feel like it's the end of an, the era ended. Like, the era ended in 2019. There mm-hmm. isn't going to be some um, back moment, really. Uh, I just feel like people have – I think the sport has kind of just moved on. Now, maybe Alberto is like, yeah, the sport may have moved on from me, but 2023, I'm coming back louder than ever. But, like, how old is Alberto? Alberto was in his 60s. Yeah, he's what is he? Uh, he's sixty-three. I guess I mean some coaches do coach all the way into their seventy. So he'll be sixty-five when it's over. You know, people retire at age sixty-five. So maybe Alberto should just—he's done so much, right? It's not like he has anything left to prove with his running career and with um, his coaching career. Now, obviously, all that kind of has a big blemish on it because of this. What cast ruling and also the safe yeah. sport uh eventual ruling and maybe he just has like this desire to clear his name but it's like hey man sometimes it's better just to sit it out and just be like all right you apologize well, you want to be you yeah you you don't want to like kind of like punch back like sometimes punching back you don't it may feel good, but it it's not gonna it's not gonna make it anything better. Like you can't punch your way back out of this and out of the Mary Kane situation. It's like who's you just who, gotta who like, want to be coached by him. Move on. I mean, the people who would would be maybe more international athletes who aren't as connected to the U.S. You know, news cycle and aren't really as in the know of like the story that Mary Kane had and kind of can show negligence or ignorance towards it because they're just not part of that world. So I can see that. I also could see maybe a younger athlete who just isn't like in the know, like, Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. You know, like people forget, forgive and forget easily in society. And I think some people, you know, maybe like 10 years from now, everyone's going to be like, oh, yeah, remember that one time back in the 2010s yeah. or 20s? You know, so it's just a lot. This is a long winded way of me kind of talking in circles where this, I mean, kind of has a little bit, dare I say it, kind of similarity to the Shelby Houlihan situation where someone is going to be given a four year ban. Both are kind of claiming victory. 
It's not really just an obvious, you did it, you admitted to doing it, you're serving, and now we move on. Just like in Shelby, she did it. She's not really admitting yeah. to purpose, purposely doing it. She's serving and moving on. This seems like he did it. He's claiming it's not that big of a deal. Cass is saying it is a big deal. Therefore, four years. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to always have the, like, I don't know. It's just like, but the difference weird. is, it's just, the, yeah. the difference is the Houlihan thing. Well, the Houlihan thing, all of a sudden, boom, it happened. And four-year suspension. There was not this yeah. drips and drabs of years and years yeah. of this this person spoke out or this person says this is going on. Like, the rumors around Salazar predated the 2015. And and maybe there were similar uh, rumors in the Houlihan case, and they just didn't bubble up to the level to where we heard them. But stuff about Salazar had been going on for years and years, and then between 15 and 19, only intensified. Um, and then you add on the other layer of the safe sport investigation, which adds just a completely different dynamic to it as well. But going back to the, the athletes here, in Doha, that's all everybody wanted to talk about. Now, I get it because the suspension happened literally while they were there. But Donovan Brazier, you know, races in an NOP jersey or race in an NOP jersey, but was coached by Pete Julian, but he was still getting the questions, right? Everybody was still throwing the questions at him. If you had raced or run for Alberto in the past, you were getting the questions. If you had run against an athlete, run against a Salazar coached athlete, you were getting the questions. Now I feel like, as you said, the, the end of an era, someone like Galen Rupp, who is forever linked with, with Salazar because he coached him in, in high school. He's his, his first major athlete and had the greatest influence on him. I feel like Rupp, the next time he makes a public appearance, public statement, he'll get asked about it and he'll answer. And then that'll be it. Like, I literally think that th- th- there'll be one more cycle because now the ban has been upheld and that'll yeah. be it. Safan Hassan only answered and on- basically was exclusively asked about Salazar in Doha. I don't think she's going to get it maybe more than one more time about the ban. And she'll say, I respect the ruling of Kaz. I have a new coach now. I'm looking forward to 2022 and beyond. And that's it. And anybody who would take a different approach or anybody who, if he's allowed to coach in the future, would would agree to be coached by him. You're just signing up for meet after meet, interview after interview, criticism after criticism, and, and having to explain away his record. So that's why I don't understand why would anybody do that? Why would anybody want to, to, to participate in that? Yeah. I, it's like, why do you want to deal with that headache? I mean, but some people don't care. I mean, there were athletes who in the middle of Alberto, like, like the Alberto, like investigation, public, public investigation type stuff started hitting in like 2015, right? Yeah. 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 So, and there was times between 2015 and 2019 where new college athletes were choosing to still go to NOP even under all of this stuff, right? Because they were told, yeah. oh, don't worry, it's going to, you know. So don't. some athletes won't care, I think. But I think in general, it's just, he's just going to be so separate from – he's been so separated from the sport. He'll be even more separated by the time 2023 20, comes around. It may become a lifetime ban with the Mary Kane safe sport uh, allegations and potential lifetime ban that – it again. I I just think it's it's over. Like it's time time time's up. It's just it's it's done. It's okay. Not it's okay because he did some things that are, are not okay. But it's okay to not keep fighting. Like it's okay to just be done with it. And then it's like that's why hope happens well, because I don't if, want to ask these questions again. Like it's like annoying. We know what happened. We know. His style was extremely fishy with what the cast report came out with. We know now his not his style was also extremely a little unethical with what Mary Kane has been saying. It's like we get it. This guy was an extreme guy that probably broke some rules. 
Certain did break some rules according to this, not just probably. And that's it. Like there are people in this world that do this, and he was one of those guys. He's going to still claim that he's a perfect person or whatever, but we just gotta we gotta move on. I just feel like we gotta move on as society. If we're if we're constantly like just thinking about Alberto, 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 what's the sport? The sport we should be thinking about the successes of our sport, not the blemishes. I get it. You need to talk about the blemishes to make sure there's not new blemishes in the future, and that's important for our mm-hmm. sport because we can't just turn a blind eye to cheating, yeah. turn a blind eye to bad coaching. But at the same time, if all we are constantly thinking about it, we're just turning a blind eye to great coaching. We're turning a blind eye to to not cheating by only thinking about Alberto, Alberto, Alberto. I mean, that's how I felt with the whole Russia situation. Every, every news cycle is talking about the Russia doping like thing. And like, we're like, oh, are they going to be banned from the Olympics? Are they not? All the, I was like, guys, what are we doing? It's the same story. We know it. Mm. I don't know. I just get kind of sick of the same. We just circle, well, talk. I'm circle talking myself away, but like we circle talk away around Alberto constantly. Like Alberto, but I'm like, Man. he's just a massive figure. He's a massive figure yeah. in, in the sport. And that's why. And if it was a different coach that didn't have the profile of Alberto, that didn't have this famous running career, that people of our parents' generation didn't know, then it would not be as big of a deal. But because he is the name, because he had this audacious goal, right, to put American distance running back on the map, and to some people, they think he succeeded in doing that. It brought with it all this extra attention. And people, they latch on to this story of, you know, this guy who flew too close to the sun, like he's willing to do everything to get every advantage, but oh, he, he stepped over the line here and he just wants to win. Like they, they create the story in their head and then it makes it impossible for people to turn away because then there's just the regular story, the regular track and field story of stories about PED and stories about um, coach athlete abuse allegations and, and, and stuff like that, right? Which happens frequently throughout the year, but not to, I mean, he's the most famous coach in the sport by a, by a wide margin. He's the most famous coach in the sport. And with that is going to come all this extra attention. So it makes it, you know, it, on top of just the, the headlines that, that are jaw dropping sometimes and the details that are jaw dropping, you have a famous name attached to it. But if, if there was a czar of track and field or a czar of America, well, I guess they're sort of is Subco or in the United States ahead of USATF, you'd want this, you'd want him just to go away at this point, right? Because you don't want the next US championships or the next US trials to be about this because you are so sick of every single time a major championship comes up that stuff like this gets brought up. And now maybe there'll be, there'll be a new bad story to fill that void. But if that was your job, you would want to turn the page. Yeah, I think people want him to sit, you know, they want the thing because this is, even though we got a conclusion here, we still are getting, hey, I still won, guys, 2023, mm-hmm. I'm back type feeling. Um, but I think we want like that Oprah moment, right? Where Lance Armstrong just sat down and said, I lied, I was an asshole. Boom. Now people still are going to, it didn't make people like, hate Lance more or less or like really change people's minds, but just put an end to like, okay, we know what happened. It's yeah. Lance Armstrong finally just said, I did this and I didn't do that. Boom. Okay. We can move on now. We know the story. We know the beginning, middle and end. There's no more like, well, technically holding the testosterone isn't as bad as putting it in the body. All, all this bullshit. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah. We just need, conclude we need finality and he needs to go on cast... oprah yeah he's going on oprah. Not, just give us finality he's a famous coach he's not famous enough to go on oprah that's what you're saying the issue True. here is he needs to be a little bit well, more maybe famous. what's the next level down from oprah i don't know the view no ellen i don't know what would he go on i don't know i don't, I don't know these i'm not these days are going on date. i'm not up to date on the uh daytime daytime talk shows that's a good point do you that's think a good point do you th- 
Do you think this story of the whole NLP thing is going to be at all potential worthy of a movie? A fictional movie? Not like a, a, a biopic type movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I think he's, as a character, people find him compelling, certainly. So, yeah. I Travis just sent us a tip. Oprah is the Flow Track podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. That makes sense. A lot of people have compared Gordon to Oprah in terms of his uh, abilities with the microphone to interview people. I just think if we do get a biopic, Salazar needs to be played by J.K. Simmons. I think he would be perfect at that role. Well, because of that movie where he's – what was that movie? Whiplash? You're just putting him into whip, Whiplash. Yeah, you're basically just yeah. putting him into that but role. now put him as a track coach, you know? It will be like, well – Yeah. Yeah. So I, people would watch I, it. I think people would – I mean, it's – it, and that's, a, that's the other – like, you think that – there's probably another book coming. Like it, there's no, there's no end to this where it just, he goes quietly. Right. I don't, I'm not saying he's going to get back into coaching if he's allowed to, but he's, there's going to be a book or there's going to be something where he, he tries to, to push out his side of it. I think. Yeah. Well, I guess let's move on. Let's move on. That's what we should do. We should just move on. <laughs> like, uh, all right, Alberto. Uh, we know what you did. It wasn't good, and uh, it was it ter- determined illegal, and so you can't coach for four years. So, mm. boom. Decision. All right. Made. Let's go to the for this weekend. Uh, Nairobi Continental Tour. I guess who are you most looking forward to seeing race on the start list? Provisionally, we had. Faith Kipiegon, Fred Curley, Christine Mboma, and then you got Bromel and Gatlin in the 100. Well, first of all, I haven't been able to find full start lists anywhere on the internet, right? We That's why I said like provisional. That. I just looked at a press release. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've been trying to find uh, – this is just me saying, hey, man, this meets tomorrow. We should be able to find full start lists by then. But anyway, mm-hmm. I digress. I mean, I'm most excited for Fred Curley in the 200. Um, now you don't know the mindset of these athletes because this literally is the final race of their season. So are they just going to show up, try to get that easy, easy win and then go home, go home and go on their mini post season vacation? I don't know, but it would be cool to see Curly give one last crack at a, a quick 200. Um, he already has given us the, the quick 200s once he started getting back up there with Kenny B and running in the 198s, 197s. Uh, but if he were to come out and run like a 196, I mean, that would be the only way he kind of adds to his legacy of a hell of a year in 2021. He did have this, you know, second place finish to uh, DeGrasse in the 100 in Bel- Bellinzona. Mm-hmm. Gallon almost won that race, uh, which was kind of, would be kind of wild. Maybe he would have shut it down there. But, you know, I'm just excited to see Fred Curley potentially put up another solid 200 to his resume. Because before this year, he wasn't running 200s and 100s. And now he's going to have a 19.7, a 9.8 on his resume. And it would be cool just to see maybe... Maybe, maybe he puts in a 19.7 low or 19.69 would be pretty wild. I don't know, but we'll see. Um, I'm also, you can see right there, his 200 meter Hold on. Marks. Hold on one sec. Ran yeah, I think he's, I think if he, if he gets some good competition and he runs uh, all the way through the line, I think he's going to PR. I think he's going to PR. Really? You think he'll run sub, he'll run 19.76 or faster? Nairobi is at almost 6,000 feet elevation it's higher than mm. albuquerque so they're gonna go fast i think now again you had to travel here it's been a long season competition's a little different it doesn't have benaric and there doesn't have the grass but a 19.78 effort uh at sea level you convert that to what he would do 
in, in Nairobi is going to go a lot faster. Now, the distance runners, their lungs are going to be burning, and they're going to be like, why did I end the season like this? I I need to take a longer, longer break. But these sprinters could end up with some fast times here at the end, taking advantage of the of the conditions. So um, you see Isaac McQuallow will be on that race as well, too. He's trying to get a qualifier for um, the World Championships for 2022. So... Yeah, I, I think the same thing about, you know, Bromel and, and Gatlin. We can see some quick times there in, in the 100 just because 5,800 feet is, is, is up there. I love this photo of Bromel at the airport. What is that on his body? That, like, book bag? It looks like he's, like, in, like, military uniform. Like, he's about to, like, go on a special ops, like, <laughs> try to, you know, kill a terrorist in, like, a movie made by like, he's like in a Jack Ryan movie. It's like Michael Bay trying to show up. It's like bad boys for life. I don't know, it's wild. He just seems very badass in this photo. What do you think? And he's just going to leave in the airport. Do you see that? Uh, the glasses, yeah, the glasses look nice. I, I saw the I saw the backpack and it made him look like he was gonna go on a really long hike and, and had a bunch of snacks and, and stuff on there and survival gear, but. <laughs> Looks like he's a he's a man man on a mission here. So let's go through these though one by one. Um, let, let's talk a little bit more in depth about that men's hundred. So Bromel and and Gatlin, what would you define as as success for for both of these men in this race? Well, I think success for Gatlin would be a sub ten, right? Kind of end your season with a another sub ten. Success for Bromel would be a win and maybe a nine eight kind of showing that like you still have that like top elite type mark in you again it's it's going to be weird because these are last races of the year you don't know the mental aspect that they're in the mindset that they're in going in um so i think sub 10 for gatlin sub 994 bromel but the question i have for gatlin in this race is he has said that this is his final year, right? And then yeah. there was a report that the Bellinzona race was going to be his final race. But mm. clearly it's not because he's in Nairobi running another 100 here. Is this yeah. 100% without a doubt going to be his final professional 100? I don't think we can say that. This, there's Can't two different it. ways to do the there's two different ways to do the retirement. There's the announce it ahead of time. And then you do the farewell tour and everybody knows it's your last go around. And then there's the two weeks after your last race, you send out a tweet that says I'm retired. Basically. I don't know. I, I think he can keep going sub 10 for another year and end in Eugene. If he wants to, can he make the team? He'd be a real long shot to make the team at this point. It just depends what he wants to do. I would guess a guy who's won gold medals and, and had the success he had having one more year where your the sixth or seventh guy doesn't do much to motivate you but then again it's a home world championship maybe he wants to take one more crack at it because he's yeah, saying so it's he's the final saying, race of his season final race of the season yeah, not, season yeah season not career i think we might be seeing justin gatlin in 2022 you know that makes sense. I mean, though. he can break ten. It makes sense if you could get consistency and have back like run consistently under ten seconds. I mean, he has how many this year? Let's scroll back down. He's broken ten. One, two, three, four times. That's that's enough, right? I mean, and he had a ten flat. I mean, he pulled up in the hundred final around ten eighty seven. So maybe. He was able to make the final. If you can make a final, especially in this day and age, you have the ability. And I do think the final at USA's might be a little different. Coleman probably won't be in it because he'll scratch because he has the bye. And hmm. then you just got to be top six, and then he could be in the relay pool. And then I think maybe he ends his career with, you know, being on, on a relay. And maybe his final contribution to Team USA is – Getting the, the, the stick around, uh, yeah. met, atoning for all of the failures of the four by one, and ending it with one last uh, go around. So maybe that's on his mind. I don't know. Maybe he wants to break ten as a forty year old, and he turns forty in February of next year. Maybe that's a motivating yeah. factor too. 
and I think he might look at trials and say that injury was a fluke. I'm usually pretty durable. And if I had been healthy, I could have got on that relay pool. Yeah, he probably thinks that. And I won't blame him for thinking that. I mean, because who was on the replay? Micah Williams, Williams. and Cravon Gillespie? He probably thinks yeah, I could men. be one of those guys. Right. Now, we just talked last episode about how stacked the men's 100 is going to be next year. So, again, he would be a, a long, long shot. But maybe he just wants one last official, all right, this is it for real this time. For real. This is not going to be like one of those boxing retirements where I keep saying I'm retiring and then I keep coming out for one last fight. This is This is for real this time. And he has a um, has a chance to compete at home world championships. That could be it as well, too. If you could, if you could uh, design how you would retire, assuming you had a, a career like Gatlin, whereas you know, fifteen plus years, made a bunch of teams, won a bunch of medals. How would you want to end your season? Would you want to do a Kobe Bryant thing where everyone is like doing a thing for you at every track meet, knowing you're mm -hmm. going to the end? Like, what would you want? Yeah, I would want as much attention as possible, and I'd want as many gifts as possible. And you go to each meet, each venue, they give you a different thing. They recognize you. Even if you're not as good, you get more attention than the people who actually win. Yeah, sign me up for un, like, like unnecessarily high amounts of attention. What would, I mean, you wouldn't do that? Who wouldn't do that? Would you want to, though, end your career with a win? Because... Odds are he won't be – if he goes through Eugene, he's not going to end his career with a win because he's not beating, you know, Coleman, Curry, no, all these guys. No, I think so. – I, I, I think I'd rather go out with – in a significant race even if I lose. That's what I would do. You don't want to be like, hey, I ended my career with a victory in Claremont Sprint Classic number four where no one's paying attention. I'd rather do it – True getting seventh in a U.S. championships or a trials, something where there's actually, you know, people who are paying attention. Track athletes, though, I don't know what it is with track retirements. There's been a couple people who have said it ahead of time and give you a little bit of warning so then you know. A lot of them never tell you and then they're retired, or a lot of them tell you right before the last race. And then a lot of them, we don't even know if they're retired. And you're like, wait a minute, they ran a, they ran a 200 last year. They ran a mile last year. Which is weird, and I don't know if it's because they don't want the attention or they think they think they'll be able to get it back, or maybe it's because their contract got cut for, and and they're embarrassed to talk about it, or they don't want to want to, and then before you know it, it's been eighteen months. It's like, all right, well, I guess I'm retired, but I'm not going to make a big yeah. fuss about it because no one's seen me race for eighteen months. Yeah, it's weird. Retirement track is not. Uh, obvious thing. I mean, but you could also say retirement also can, in other sports, can be kind of drawn out sometimes, right? You know, someone like Carmelo Anthony, was he retired? And then he found a way to get back, and now he's yeah. still going on. There are athletes who are, like, still fighting to make rosters, even though they might sure. be retired, and they just have yet to admit it. They go overseas, play some basketball in China a few few months, just try to chase that one last 10-day deal. Yeah. Um, so I think just retirement, just athletes in general, it's, they're really good because of their mindset of mm -hmm. always believing in themselves and never saying it, like nothing, believing nothing's impossible and yeah. admit saying it, retiring is you telling your, is you admitting that it is impossible because you're like, I'm done. Like I can't be as good. So it's really hard for these athletes to kind of come around and recognize that it's done. It's just like, a, it makes sense that athletes don't handle retirement easier the way a regular person's like, hell, I'm retired. You know, I get to go on vacation all the time now, you know, because yeah. I don't want to work in the mailroom anymore. I'm trying to think of the ones that I remember recently, like Sonia Richard Ross. I think we knew that was her last race. And then she I mean, pulled up in that last, race and trials like her body she had given all she could give i remember webb trying to break four again at milrose in his last race nick simmons publicizing his last race with american athletes it's tough 
because if, if you're at a trials or U.S. champs, you don't be like, this is my last race because you're basically saying you're not going to qualify for Worlds or the Olympics. So that's a weird, like a weird position to put yourself in mentally. Um, but yeah, it is, it, it, it is interesting. I think the Gatlin situation underscores that a bit. So like um, is LaShawn yeah, Merritt retired because yeah. he came back and ran randomly in these trials and, you know. Dude, you know what we need to do for next year? We should, you know how Barkley uh, and the inside of the NBA guys do the who he play for thing where they name a person and they try to figure out what yeah, you yeah, are? Yeah, yeah. We should, we should do, are they retired? And just guess, and just <laughs> throw names out there. And then be like, actually, this person ran in September of 2021. Yeah. Like we each, we each, each time we try to stump each other and we come up with the name and you're like, hey, is this person right. retired? And like, because Merritt's a perfect example. He was at the, he was at, uh, trials getting interviewed by lewis johnson and it's like whoa i mean i saw him in a couple of those florida meets uh but he was actually there and did he i think he said it was it but he didn't want to go all the way saying that that, that I, i'm done Ooh, so this would be a fun game yeah are they retired that's my new favorite new favorite game there's there's merit on the screen man that talk about a guy making the most of his seasons though there were so many years where he ran all over the circuit it was incredible yeah his, so his last race was went out in the semis i mean credit him for making the making the semis got out around so he's still in still in decent shape we shall see all right coming to coming to a podcast near you 2022 uh talk to me about this women's 200 though gordon we get in boma again we do not get shrika jackson her post olympics uh running partner here i'm guessing a, this one's gonna be fast right because we already talked about the altitude um making times quicker and She's, she's run a bunch of sub-22s this year. Yeah, so it should be fast. It's exciting. Um, not much more I can add to the 200 conversation here, but what I want to add is I did see someone comment comment on uh, Twitter at Flowtrack. Our reaction to Nian Samba running the 2000, the 2000 we said it was like a troll attempt because it's like, all right, you're not let me run the mile. Well, I'll run a 2000. Yeah. Would it be cool to see Mboma be like, oh, you won't let me run the 400. All right. I'm going to break the 300 meter world record. 300 would be good. Yeah. Yeah. Be good I mean, that would be similar in terms of the event itself being an off event and largely irrelevant as, as it is in the 2k. I'm looking up the, we have 300 meters, so all-time athletics is set by Shawnee Miller Weibo, 34-41. Oh, at Ostrava. At Ostrava. So it probably would have been the opportunity there. Um, I feel like she could break for, it. Yeah. I mean, she, could break she it. has the 49 hey. speed, the 21-meter speed, 21-second speed. Like, she should. What do you hey, think? I looked up this. Yeah, no, no. I 100%. 100%. I think she can. I mean, her PR is faster than Miller Weibo in the in the two, and in the four, it's not too much too much behind her. I think she could do it. Um, check out this stat though. I went and looked at the women's 200 over the last Olympic cycle. How many times uh, women each season have broken 22 seconds? So let me just let me just throw these numbers at you, okay? So in 2016, okay. there was, this is the number of sub-22s. In 2016, there were seven sub-22s from three different women. In 2017, there were four from three different women. In 2018, there was just one. In 2019, there were two from two different women. In 2020, there was just one. In 2021, guess how many sub-22s there have been? Um, one, two, three... Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, fifteen. Are you thinking? Okay, twenty-one from eight different women. Uh -oh. So the high. I was trying to count. A, a high from the last five years was. I mean, that's pretty close, actually. I, I give you. I give you credit. The high from the last five years was seven, and then it jumped up to twenty-one here from eight different women. So this has been a banner year. For, for the women's 200. I think we're going to get at least two more here in Nairobi from Mboma and, and, and Tulu. What's Tulu's season best in the, in the two? Is she, is she one of those eight women who have gone under? 
No, she's probably run she like is. 20, 22 low. That's what she's probably run. It's just, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing, I mean, I don't know. Is this the most ever? I didn't go probably, back right? farther than 20. I, I would guess, but I need to go back farther than, than 2016 yeah. to, to verify. I just use that as a marker because I did because I was like, this seems like a lot. And and then I looked at okay twenty twenty throw that out and then twenty nineteen all right and then you have non championship I wanted to get a, a couple years of um, championships in there so women's two watch for that it's been historically deep let's go and talk about you want to talk about Faith Kipiegon in the fifteen hundred to me Gordon this just feels like a victory lap you know she's running this at altitude Safan Hassan is not there she's running on her home country uh, I think she's gonna have fun with this thing I think she's gonna win. It's probably a great thrill for there to be an international meet in in her home country uh, on the track. Um, I know all she does is basically run sub four and in a lot of cases run sub 355. But I think uh, this one, it's going to be hard for her to go fast on this one, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, she's going to win. It would be wild if she did it, though. Wouldn't that be crazy? It'd be like, wait a minute. <laughs> the world's upside down. How is she not winning the 1500 on her home track like being one of the best to ever do it anyway but she's going to win um it's just going to be interesting to see in general these distance races at in nairobi it's hard mm -hmm. to, we don't really see a lot of altitude uh based championship style racing i'm like this isn't really championship style racing it's more like diamond league style racing but it's always interesting i feel like to see how these athletes kind of approach the 1500 and up at altitude. Obviously, the Kenyan athletes are like, what do you mean? What's unique about this? This is just what we do every year, right? But when you start putting non-Kenyan athletes on that track with the Kenyan athletes, it's just going to be interesting to see how the non-altitude base runners handle running, you know, four flat pace at altitude. When we go into the steeple running 810 or faster pace at the steeple, like... Mm -hmm. I'm gonna be, it's going to be interesting how the non-altitude athletes react to the altitude. There's been discussion about the world championships taking place in, in Kenya in the future. Do you think they would put it at this high of altitude? Because, I mean, Nairobi would be the, the pick because they're hosting these continental tours there. But I know there's probably some hesitancy to putting it at almost 6,000 feet. Would you, would you like to see that? I would love to see it. One, the sprints would be amazing, right? Yeah, they'll be yeah. they'll be quick, so that'll be fun. And two, it would just bring a unique element to like, wait, all right, what does this mean for the fifteen? What does this mean for the ten? You know, who's mm -hmm. gonna have the advantage? Who's gonna have the disadvantage? Are athletes gonna train differently because of it? Like, they just adds so many new variables that'll just be exciting to see unfold. I know, like, way back, like. When the NCAA held um, indoors in Boise, everyone was talking mm -hmm. about like, how are people going to handle the Boise altitude? Like, ooh, even when it's in New Mexico, they think about it. But I think it'll just be fun to see just a new dynamic added to the the races and like kind of like, mm -hmm. well, maybe it's not going to go to chalk anymore because you have this new variable you know, the marathon, like, how's that going to handle? Like, yeah. a, a marathon at altitude? Like, oh, my God. Like, come on. So, it'll be, I think it'll be more be interesting. So, I hope, I hope it happens. I think it'll be cool. And I think Kenya deserves to have a world championships. They've mm -hmm. made their mark in the sport of track and field in a very significant way. And I think that should kind of be honored with uh, hosting a world championships in the next decade or so. I agree, and also the Caribbean, as well. I mean, the Caribbean should get yeah. a, a world championship. You went to you went to that first world relays, right? In fourteen in Bahamas. How was the crowd? Yeah, in Bahamas. That was amazing. Oh my god! Yeah, we're going to the Bahamas, and that on top of going to Jamaica Champs, like the Caribbean track and field. Wait, you crowd went to the Jamaican wild. Champs? Yeah, that's what. It's not not their national. Oh yeah. Okay. Sorry. Uh, but like. Caribbean track and field fans are wild. They're basically like college football fans. They get dressed up. They're constantly screaming. They're standing. They, you know, mm -hmm. it's hard to get them to shut up for the start of the race because they just want to keep jumping up and down, playing the drums. 
it's like you're at a you know soccer match type stuff. So uh, a Caribbean World Championships would be amazing, and a Kenyan World Championships would also be pretty cool. Um, I do think so you're saying we shouldn't just give them to countries with very little track connection, but with very rich uh, donors, and have the championships play out in front of say stadiums that are 50 percent empty you don't think that's a good idea no yeah not do qatar okay. type situation okay because i'm telling you oh man a world's in the caribbean would be epic like would would you go they need to do that i would go yes okay would you go high standard these days gordon doesn't leave his his fancy house for much these days so yeah oh 100 i mean i would be i would be thrilled to go to that yeah. i want to see i want to go to a meet where the people in the stands really care about the meat. Yeah. And it's full. Like, that's awesome. That's why, you know, to a certain people like going to meet said, Hayward, everyone talks about the knowledgeable crowd. It's just awesome. And I think it should, if you're going to move it around to different places, you're right. Put it in places where they've really, really nurtured the sport of track and field but, and have yeah. a lot of athletes, you know, and care. I, so in Doha, people don't know this because the story was just basically on empty seats the whole time. But the 5,000, when the 5,000 came, there was this huge Kenyan and Ethiopian section because there's a lot of people, uh, expats who live in, in Qatar and Lincoln and I like what we, we went out of the press area. I'm like, I want to watch it from that section. And so we walked over cause you could just basically walk anywhere in the stadium. There was no real regulations of what you could do. And we put ourselves like right in it. And, and it was, it was, they made the whole thing loud because of how passionate they were just like what you're saying, jumping up and down chanting they had the flags out it was amazing and i'm just thinking okay this is one small pocket of the crowd imagine if this was twenty thousand people the the environment would be unreal yeah yeah as much as we think hayward is a great track environment it is nothing compared to what caribbean athlete caribbean environments are like because the american track and field fan is still kind of more old they're more like sitting there looking at their track and field news record books you know Wow. They're, they, you know, they, they, they'll old. get excited at the end of a race, but they're more like proper. It's very like a proper type fandom in Hayward where in other countries, it's, it's just a party. Like it's not a party in Hayward. They're not like constantly singing and screaming and jumping up and down. They're more like reserved. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. We cheer. Okay. We're done. Yeah. Yeah. We cheer. And then we're done. I like it. I like it. All right. So. Stay tuned on that. Gordon's journey to the Caribbean and or Kenya for the World Championships. TBD. Uh, I think that's all of Nairobi. Did we get to everything from Nairobi? Yeah, for the most part. We'll recap the meet on Monday. So, Okay. We got the – we talked Curly. We talked – Can I do a little bit of uh, cross-country news? Yeah. You got, you got a couple minutes here. Okay. So – the story of the, the 2021 cross-country season is going to be all about Alabama. Now, obviously, we know the current situation of Alabama on the women's side. They have Mercy Chilangat. They were a top-10 team. And they've returned most people. Men's side, they were kind of didn't really have many people. But they do have two new Kenyans, and they did pretty good in their opener. Uh, they went one, two, three. So Ilya Kipsang, the 1,500-meter runner, was second on the team. But Kiprop won easily in an 8K, 23-20. Then Kipsang, then Cherry. They have a big three. The question is, will these three guys up front be enough to, one, finish top two in their region, and two, become a legitimate team in the NCAA format of 31 teams? This is very similar to their 20, I think it was their 2017 squad, where they had yeah. Gilbert Keegan, uh, Kip Rop and another guy who I forget his name. But they had a similar situation where they had three really good Kenyans, but then two not so good uh, athletes. So that's going to be interesting to watch. I think this Alabama men's team is potential to be a top 10 team if their three big three can all finish in the top 25. But okay. here's the real story the story that no one is even seeing happening. Let's show the women's results. Let's show the women's results. So no one's even seen this. Okay. So, so Travis, can you put up the women's results? Can we put up this up on the screen? 
no one's still seeing it. This is incredible. We're keeping yeah, it a secret it's... for just a few seconds longer. So you're living in suspense now. Click on the live, still... Travis. Click on the live on the upper top. Just the word live. Uh, come on. Oh. <laughs> up, 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 under, uh, up, look that to the right, to the right. There, there you go. Click on that. I think Travis is just messing with you now. It's not working. It's not loading. That's what he's saying. Well, click on the word right, finish. Travis is... Click on the word finish. Travis. To... <laughs> Down at the bottom, right there. Finish. There oh. we go. Okay. Let's bring these okay. results up. That was Okay, fun. so you're thinking Alabama, women who... Okay, so Alabama did not run their A team here, but they did run one runner who was a new runner transfer from JUCO, and her name is Flomina Asikol. And mm-hmm. she got second in this race. All right. I think she is going to be the key to be Alabama's new fourth place fin- fourth runner and Alabama is going to have Mercy Chilangat, Tamisa I, I think I said her name wrong but Thaisma. they went one three Thais, Thaisma they went one three at NCAAs last year they have okay. uh Esther Gitai who was I think top 30. now they mm-hmm. add this Juco athlete who just finished second in her NCAA debut in this race and they do have a fifth runner her name is Jamie Reed, who just had a really bad NCAA. She finished like in the 200s, but she was like a top 10 SEC runner or top 20 SEC runner. Okay. They have the, the, the ingredients. If they all have a great day, they could win. Alabama women could win. I know NC State and BYU women, they're the one-two punch. They return everyone. It's going to be a bloodbath mm-hmm. between those two. But Alabama has four has five runners they got two low sticks they got a third stick who's going to be top 25 top 30. they now have a fourth stick who could probably be top 50 and they have that fifth stick who on any given day could be top 50 as well that's the recipe to beat byu nc state notice talking about alabama women team podium time titles but i'll be first i was the first to say mercy chilang got was good and now i'm gonna be the first to say alabama women are better than a top 10 team. They are top four, maybe even top one. That is you my Alabama rant. rant. <laughs> you have them fourth right now behind Stanford, BYU, and, and NC State. What about on the men's men's side? Were there any other events of results? Or sorry, any meets coming up this weekend that are going to shake things up, do you think? Yeah, so... Um, what's, uh, Oklahoma State and... Um, NAU are racing each other in Oklahoma State at the Cowboy uh, Jamboree. I think it's Cowboy Jamboree. Yeah, so it's called Cowboy Jamboree. Uh, So seeing Oklahoma State and NAU go about it, they're two top uh, four teams. We're showing the women's rankings here now. Um, On the men's side, Oklahoma State men and and, and, uh, NAU men. So seeing those two teams go at it. Florida State is hosting a meet. They're going to be having, you know, Stanford, I think it's going to be there. Florida State will be there. A few other good teams. Um, but these next few weeks, we're going to slowly start seeing what cards people have and what cards people don't have. And uh, I'm excited to break it down. We're going to start a new cross-country show, hopefully, um, in the coming weeks to kind of break down rankings so I don't kind of infiltrate this podcast with a bunch of cross-country talk. Because uh, it's a very, you know, it's a segment community that loves this cross-country talk. So um, keep track of the rankings. They're on the site. Um, Notre Dame and NAU are still 1-2. BYU and NC State are still 1-2. Uh, and the season's about to start. This truly is the opening weekend mm-hmm. is right now. Uh, and now athletes are now – coaches and runners are now actually putting – showing their hands of who they have and who they don't have. That was a good recap. I'm good. I wasn't even a rant. It was just good analysis, I felt like. Um, We got this email about the field event stuff, but I'll I'll save it for for next week. It's a good topic I want to discuss from Ken. So I will will save that one for for next week, and we'll we'll recap Nairobi on Monday and any other big stories. Obviously, we'll dive more into the cross as well, and then we're going to get ready for the the fall marathons because next Sunday is, is the first world marathon major of the fall with Berlin kicking off which we're in a couple different countries and territories throughout the world you can watch live on 
Blood track that Berlin Marathon. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add, Gordon? No, that's it. Have a good weekend, everyone. Um, we'll see you Monday. It should be good. It should Nothing be good. Thanks to Colt. Thanks to Travis. We'll see you guys on Monday.